All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. And Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Well, um, doing great for sure. So we appreciate you stopping by to uh, take a listen to these Torah portions. Jake, what do we want them to do? Uh, we want you to go give this video a like and subscribe and so you can get all the latest content. And uh, then we'll have you check out the website and you can also read the Torah portion yourself. Yeah, I think that's the best thing. So if right. you haven't read the Torah portion, quit listening to us. Go listen to the Torah portion. And then come back and you can hear what we have to say about it. Yep. So we are in week 45, Jake. And what's the name of this one? This is Ve'echanan. Ve'echanan. I besought. Right. It and kind of speaks for itself. Yes, yes. Uh, it comes from Deuteronomy 3.23 through 7.11. So if you aren't in love with Deuteronomy, it's about time you, you fell in love with Deuteronomy. If you're not in love with Deuteronomy, you probably haven't read it yet. Yeah, um, yeah, probably so. So we'll just jump right into it. And the first thing we're going to see is a quote from Moses. And Jake, what does Moses say? Please let me see that goodly land. I think that's a direct quote. Direct quote. Yes. He wants to see that goodly land because he knows he's not going in. That's right. So, and um, you have to read a little bit more in the Torah portion to uh, to know why he doesn't go in. But, um, but, uh, but, but we know why he didn't go in. Jake, why didn't he go in? He struck that rock. And what was he supposed to do? He was supposed to speak to that rock. That's right. So, so we suggest you go look that story up if you don't know it. All right, so when he's on the top of the mountain, trivia question, what is the name of the mountain? Put it in the comments if you know the name of the mountain that he was on. So we'll see if you there know you this information. Didn't know so this was turning we, into we a quiz going show. to reveal it here. But, so he goes up to the top of this mountain, and he's allowed to see it. And so Jakey tells him to go look in all four directions, and he doesn't say just look west. Hmm, that's curious. Why do you think that is, Matt? Well, some people, you know, and rightly so, The prom there's clearly a deal with the promised land. I'm not saying that there's not a deal with the promised land. Um, you know, it was clearly what he wanted to give them. It, it was it was maybe the, the first, it, it kind of like the first fruits offering for his own people in, in a way. Like the uh, premium choice. Yeah selection yeah. but technically all of this land that they've been in is part of the original abrahamic land grant and i believe that's why he's told to look in all the directions and he's told your people are going to fill this area up they're going to be everywhere yeah especially since they're coming in from the east so they've already kind of navigated around the land and now they're coming into the choice area yeah yeah, just now getting to it. And some people have even made the choice or those couple of tribes are like, eh, we want to be out here. And, a, and and we talked about that last time, that he allows them to, to make that choice. And I think partly the reason he allows it is because they're already technically in the land grant. Right, and word on the street is even to today, that's a very uh, lush place to be. Yeah, 
to yeah. grow your crops and or uh, to raise your uh, livestock. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so with very important scripture. So in Deuteronomy 4, 2, it says, don't add or take away. And what does Revelation say? Revelation says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, Elohim will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, Elohim will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Okay. That's interesting. So he's going to take it away from you, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't lose it, Matt. Mm, I don't know about that. There are people <laughs> that say that. So, but yeah. uh, it does look like it can be taken away from you. Uh, so word to the wise, don't mess with his words, especially the words of Deuteronomy and Revelation. Right. But do you think that it's just Deuteronomy and Revelation he's talking about? Or is it the Torah? Is it the Torah and Revelation? It's probably uh, anything that's his word is probably, yeah. you could probably apply it to. Yeah. yeah anything. I think specifically he's in Deuteronomy, he's talking about all the things he's taught them up to that point, I think. Mm-hmm. And then in Revelation, I think he's speaking to John saying, hey, don't. He's saying, warn everyone about this prophecy I'm giving, which is revelation. But I think it's applicable to to all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's for sure. Definitely not something you want to mess with or even come close to changing. But yet, I believe uh, people have. Right, yeah. Unfortunately. And, when and, we and can... it's not going to be good. Right, it's not good for the ones that do that. And it, it seems to us... You know, when we started looking into this Torah stuff, that we found out that the Christian system uh, takes away and the Jewish system tends to add. Yeah. And so that's kind of, we didn't want to be in either of those camps. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. All right, so moving on uh, in 4.6. So really in Deuteronomy, you see this theme over and over and over about guard the commandments. And what does that mean, Jake, to guard the commandments? So uh, you see that also on guard the Sabbath. Uh, and, and it's mainly a remember it and and take possession of it. That's a good theme in this too. And it's uh, protect it from from being you know, be smirched by the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preserve it, protect it. Yeah. Yeah. Know what it says. And then in 4.7, Yah is close, not far. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, this is similar to when he brings up that the Torah is not, the words I'm giving you, he says, are not far they're near you and in your mouth, basically, in your heart. And so uh, Yah also is close and not far. It's, it's you can't separate him from his word, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he's different than the, you know, it goes all the way back to um, even if you consider it a fable about Abraham, um in one of the extra biblical texts about when he knocks down his father's idols 
and he talks about how they, you know, and then Paul makes reference to that too, that these idols are idols that can't talk, that can't speak, but yet you, 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 you make them. them a thing. Yeah. So, and he really is, a, is an L, a God that is close and, and uh, not far away, which is amazing. Yes. We, and we thank him for being close, available. And then we see a gospel message. So, Jake, uh, let's talk about this. A gospel message in Deuteronomy? Hmm. What? Yeah, so it says, Faithfully obey these laws. This will show the people of the world your wisdom and insight. When they hear about all these laws, they will say, What wise and insightful people there are in this great nation. So how does that apply to the gospel, Matt? Well, I think it's the concept of the gospel is proclaiming to all the nations. And so we see that in the the quote unquote New Testament that uh, for the first time he's, you know, made this a deal to proclaim to all the nations. And that's supposed to be a new thing. But this supports that is not new and that from the beginning it was there was something about this design that was supposed to show all nations who who he is and who these people are because they follow him yes it's this uh the idea that this message and uh we kind of hear kickback on this uh, in our walk about um well the torah was just for them it was never for gentiles and yet the Gentiles were meant to look on the Israelites and say, I want that. I want what they have. And it's based on the fact that they're walking in such righteous manner and they're garnering blessings from Yah because of their obedience. Mm -hmm. And people should look at them and see the greatness of Yah. Uh, and I think uh, other places it specifically says, uh, what a great L those Israelites must have to have such righteous laws. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense to um, to look down on the laws that he was given, he gave to Israel, because it's supposed to show righteousness to the nations. Yeah, that's a good point. But this is a place you can go and tell someone if you can ex figure out how you could explain it about that this is a version of the gospel message. Right. So, and like uh, one of our guests on a previous episode uh, discussed, you know, that it's the gospel message doesn't change throughout all of scripture. So if you're uh, dispensationalizing the message, you're, you're coming up with different gospels throughout the the timelines of of the the Bible, so it should be one message through the whole script whole of Scripture that you would be considering the gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. All right, so the Ten Commandments, Jake. Did you know they were sapphire stones? No, Matt. I would like you to explain that to me. Well, in four thirteen, it says that the commandments were sapphire. So, yeah, interesting. So, and uh, which I assume that they're blue, you know, maybe what's, what's, what do you think uh, his favorite color is? Purple. 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, it's hard to say, you know, could he have a favorite color? I don't know. But uh, he did the Ten Commandments were blue. And then he puts, uh, you know, in the ZZ, he has them put a streak of blue in it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't but, know. Yeah, I think. But, uh, but definitely it, it would be cool to see what they look like. Yeah, that would be neat. So, and someday, maybe we will. Yeah, yeah. Once the Ark becomes uncovered again. Yes, and Indy, Indiana Jones is there. Wait, no, no. not that story. <laughs> yeah. Different story. I think this, that ended badly. <laughs> I think that... Spoiler, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Their faces melt off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be there. But I think this word sapphire is also uh, translated... Uh, it, the word that's used there could also be like a marble, mm. something like that. It's definitely an interesting stone. It's not just rocks. Not like the graphic that we have of Moses here. <laughs> right. So uh, I think most of the interpretations of it is gray stone with some kind of carved out letters. With Roman numerals on it. Yes, yes. <laughs> you don't hardly ever see them with Hebrew. So yeah, um, they're all in English. So they weren't in English. So step one, make sure you understand that they're right. in Hebrew. Right. So anyway, definitely something we want to see one day. All right. And then Yah is a consuming fire. Yeah, this is interesting here because, I mean, you see a couple verses that are just kind of throwaway verses. Like, and there were uh, giants in those days and after, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's just thrown out there like like it was normal yeah and yeah. then it comes to this timeline and they're uh go in and smite all these different tribes all the women children and men of of the whole community that they're going into it's destroy them all uh but once you realize oh there's more to this nephilim thing and giants thing it's like these weren't just regular uh folks these are all like you know, tribes of giants that they're fighting a lot of times. And, uh, uh, so there, if that, if that turns you away, I've to heard go research <laughs> Nephilim. If you don't yeah. know what we're talking about, Genesis six. Yep. Is your source text. I've heard recently, I heard some guy just wailing on that going Genesis six. It can't be about angels, uh, coming down and mating with humans. There's no way. I'm just like, well, Where'd all the giants come from? They're clearly talking about giants, like, all throughout this, like... Yeah. Oh, even Paul talks about it when he tells the women about their long hair. Yeah. He kind of referenced it yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Or about not covering their hair or something, yeah. Right. And they're in this uh, venture they're going to take here, the Israelites, they're always like, oh, yeah, and they're giants, by the way. And it's, it's just throwaway lines of... Oh, and they're giants. Yeah, and I think that I don't know how we got on the giant topic and talking about Deuteronomy, but um, but the whole thing with giants it doesn't fit evolution, and so that's another reason why that you should study it out and see what's true. You know, you, at some point you either do have to believe what what uh, man says or what Yah says, and sometimes you have to make a choice. And right. this is one of those issues where you can't just meld them together. Yeah, you can't explain it away and go, "Well, it was this." They're it was both that. right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, in the genetic line, unfortunately, I think that uh, it, what it really shows is that we were as a race of human 
Homo sapiens, we were smarter and we've actually gotten dumber through time, quite possibly. Right. And then just to bring this full circle, that's what this uh, young I know being I here. have with the iPhone right. for sure. Right. <laughs> I can't even invite my way out of a paper bag without t- Google telling me where to go. Yeah. Insert scissors here. Okay. Yes. I'd drive my car into the lake if it told me to, Jake. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so the Yah is a consuming fire thing. He's They're going to go in and, and destroy all the, the bad guys. So. Yeah. And don't drive your car into the lake. That's the point. <laughs> all right. Um, so then speaking of fire, Egypt in 420 is considered an iron furnace to remove the impurities from the ride. Now, um, that was kind of like our, our words on it. It doesn't, that's not an exact quote. It's pretty close, though. Um, yeah, so go read that for yourself. Uh, the whole point there is that he knew they were going to be in Egypt. It, they were there for a purpose. He gave a timeline for them to be in Egypt for a purpose. And just like today, we're to be burning off those impurities to present a clean bride for the Messiah. Hmm. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um in verse 26, there's a prophecy. So there's several prophecies here. And basically says, you will quickly disappear from the land you're going to possess on the other side of the Jordan River. You won't live there very long. You'll be completely wiped out. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, that's what happened. Yeah. So... And then, so look at this. So this is interesting. We've got lots of parallel passages. And so it turns out Deuteronomy is quoted a great deal by Yeshua himself. Hmm. So I'll read Deuteronomy 4.29 and then Jake will read these parallel passages. But in Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, "But But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you will seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And you probably already are thinking of verses from the New Testament that match that. And so this is Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and you will receive, search and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. Everyone who asks will receive, the one who searches will find, and for the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Then Luke eleven ten. everyone who asks will receive, the one who searches will find, and for the person who knocks, the door will be opened. And I want to throw down a challenge to you, and I probably have said this, and I will keep saying it because I believe it, that when you pray for people, this is one of the things you need to pray for, uh, especially for people who are either lost or don't, or just kind of floundering in their faith. You know, there's a lot of people that just, you know, have a faith because you have to have one. But, but it doesn't really mean anything to them. And they, you know, so we pray this prayer for them that they will truly seek him because we know if, if, if we start praying that for people and they decide to seek him, they are going to find him because he says, if you seek me, you're going to find me. Right. But it, but unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people in today's world that just they aren't seeking him they have no desire and there's a lot of people in churchedom or churchianity that don't have a desire really to seek him they just are doing a social club basically 
country club Christian yeah situation yeah, yeah and uh, that's that's a shame um, you I I'd rather the church numbers be low but the people there be on fire you know mm. uh, in their hearts I don't mean literally on fire. <laughs> I Careful mean, now. yes, they're ser- searching and seeking, you know, with the intent to find. So, yeah. Well, I challenge you that to start praying for that, praying that kind of a prayer for people, you know, and just see, see what happens. Can't hurt. And then in 34, or has any good ever tried to come and take one nation away? Sorry. Has any God ever tried to come and take one nation away from another for himself? Yahweh, your Elohim, used his mighty hand, outstretched powerful arm, to do this for you in Egypt. He did this using plagues, miraculous signs, amazing things, and war. He did his great and awe-inspiring deeds in front of you. So, Jake, what about this mighty, outstretched, powerful arm? So this usually when you see a mighty hand or a powerful arm or an outstretched arm, it's usually referring to Messiah. And I think this term here, outstretched, sometimes you'll see it translated powerful. I mean, if you BLB it, you'll you'll see it a couple different ways. One is going to be outstretched, which makes I think that makes most of us think a Messiah on the on the mm-hmm. cross on the stars. So, uh, it's, um, well, because know, it's, it seems, it seems too obvious to put the words, but, but, you know, it's, he uses, uh, think of what Yeshua's name means. It's salvation. Yahweh is salvation, right? Yeah. So the insert salvation here and see if it works. Yeah. And you'll see that in this case, Yahweh is salvation to them. And that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, he saved him. So study that out. See if it's true. But, you know, study that outstretched arm concept and see what you can find. All right, Jake. So there was clearly a path for accidental death in verse 43. There's these cities of refuge that are set up. And uh, it sounds like you might have to run real fast. Yeah, at least you at least have to outrun the uh, Avenger of Blood. The Blood Avenger, yeah. Yeah. And that sounds... That sounds crazy to me. That seems like uh, the most dangerous game if you've ever yeah, read that book. Well, <laughs> but I can also see, you know, there being people in your family like, oh, do I get to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some people. I mean, I, yeah, there's people that kind of crazy. So, and and, do, and, and we don't know, uh, th- did they do all of this? I don't know. Maybe someone out there in the comments knows, but I don't know. I think they did set up these cities of refuge. I feel like they did it like first thing they got there. Yeah. They kind of had things going at first. Of course, they're going to do this because that gives you a way out. Yeah. (laughs) It's the other thing. Oh, well, city of refuge for everything. That sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. So. And then in verse 47, it actually looks like they actually take possession of something. Yeah. Um, so this is their. So they're told, "Go, you're going to go take possession of the land." This is and like they, Og. They start off early. Yes. Who is a giant? Yes, giant. I mean, That's how we got to giants. Yeah. We were just going ahead of ourselves. Yeah. They're. It's obvious. Anyway, 
Um, so yeah, they take take over Og and of Bashan and destroy all that, and then they take possession of it like they're supposed to. I know it's kind of like oh they did it yay good job. All right, and then Jake, if you'll read this, you've got a lot of blessings and curses that you see in Deuteronomy. So let her rip. So I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, two witnesses, this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but you will certainly be destroyed. Well, that's encouraging. Yay. And then the blessings, keep his decrees and commands, which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land that Yair Elohim gives you for all time. So I definitely want to be on the uh, the right here, the blessings. So um, that seems like that that seems like a good deal. Yeah. And then the Ten Commandments are basically reloaded, restated in 5, 6 through 21. So kind of a reminder of what's happened. Yeah. And then... And actually all of Deuteronomy is kind of a reminder of what happened and kind yeah. of a pep talk to, for them when they go into the land. Reminder, do these things, don't forget. And then in 510, it's, but I show mercy to thousands of generations for those who love me and obey my commandments. So, Jake, what do you think about praying this over your children? Is this, this you think this would be okay? <laughs> I think it'd be more than okay. I think it'd be a, a good idea to pray this over your children and to strive to be those people who love Yah and obey his commandments because it would lead to uh, mercy to thousands of generations, right? That's a long time. It is a long time. So, I still don't think we've reached a thousand generations. I don't, I don't know if we have. So, we definitely uh, we want we want that mercy, and we want it to on our bloodlines. So that's another prayer you should look into praying. Yeah. Oh, go back real quick. I'll, I'll, I got you. So one of the things I wanted to bring up was this idea of mercy right and grace mm -hmm. they're kind of tied together but mercy is a lot of people think of god of the old testament as you know warmonger and and sm smiting everything but we know he's merciful um and you know what's interesting too is he's not just merciful he's merciful and forgives sin and iniquities also which is uh, something you read in Numbers and, and other places as well. So that should make you think, um, and we have, we have another video kind of on this, but um, so if he already is able to forgive iniquity and sin, why did Messiah have to die? Hmm. I'll leave that hanging for you, though. Yeah, yeah, we've done several on that. And, and you bring up... A good point as well. When you talk about the God of the Old Testament, I do believe you're on to something. Many people do have this impression that there's a different God, a different deity, that they won't tell you that they believe that. 
but in essence, their beliefs are such. And really, it came from Marcion. And if you've never studied that out, you should look at that guy and see, you know, he was considered a heretic. He was burned at the stake because he said that, that the God of the Old Testament was this vengeful God and the God is different in the New Testament. And um, yeah, you got to be real careful about if, if you really think that. And so probably not a lot of people listening to us think that, but uh, but you may know people who do. And um, and they might not know they think that, but, yeah. but the effect I used that. to think that. I remember explaining that to youth and be like, I don't know why he was. It kind of does seem kind of angry. I don't know why he was so angry. <laughs> I'm, I know I said those words. Yeah. And I do ask for forgiveness. for Because you didn't know about dumb. the Giants back then. Yeah, I didn't know about <laughs> the Giants either. So Or Christmas or Easter. Lots of things, Jake. They're bad, by the way. Yeah. So anyway, definitely um, something to look into. And then 523 through 28. So not only is he a God who is near, he speaks, he hears, and he writes. We are the ones who reject him. So what did we see there in, in 5? What, what's evidence there that they rejected him? Uh, because it's uh, him drawing near to them, him speaking to them. And it's, whereas uh, if there is rejection, it has to come from their side, Israel's side, because Yah is pursuing them. He's setting himself up a bride. So, And a a way to look at it, too, is, you know, he is the father. And when you talk to a child, um, a lot of us, at some point, you get down on their level. And uh, you, you lower yourself. And you may get on your knees, you may sit on the ground, you may lay on the ground. You know, we've got a little baby in our family, and a lot of times we lay on the ground with that child. And um, and that's in essence what Yah did, is he got down close to the people, got on their level, just like a parent would bend down and get close to their child. And uh, in the essence, you know... Um, if you've never seen that in 523, 28, that section, you know, there's some words there where it basically says the people are like, that. it just flat out says, that, you know, that they, they reject reject this interaction. And Yeah, uh, and I think say, it's, it's uh, hearkening back to uh, when Yah offered to walk among them and and mm-hmm. have all of them come up and be with him. Yeah. And they said, eh, just the Moses guy. Yeah, yeah. It's too scary. So here, uh, we're going to, this is uh, verse 32 there in chapter 6, and we're just going to read through this because it kind of will speak for itself. So be careful to do what Yahweh your Elohim has commanded you. Never stop living this way. Follow all the directions Yahweh your Elohim has given you. Then you will continue to live life. Uh, you will continue to live. Life will go well for you, and you will live for a long time in the land that you are going to possess. Well, that's what I want. Yeah. Sounds good. Sign me up. I want to live a long time in the land that we possess, and I believe we're still 532. So I haven't quite made it to six. We're close. Five, Five, sorry. My bad. So now I think we're in six. Okay. So, and then we get to the Shema. So basically, this is, I think, the Nog version, but Jake, will you read this? Yeah. Listen, Israel, Yahweh is our Elohim. Yahweh is the only Elohim. Love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
take to heart these words that I give you today. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or away, when you lie down or get up. Write them down and tie them around your wrist and wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Jake, back in 2004, that seems like a really long time ago, but I'm old. In 2004, I was teaching school and this, uh, I had a Bible study with this other guy and, and I was, we were both Christian normies at the time is what you would call us. And he asked me one time, what's my favorite scripture? And this is what I told him. And then he printed off the scripture and uh, gave it to me in a frame. And so the entire time I taught in the classroom, I had the scripture in my classroom and uh, I didn't even know. They didn't even cut you off to jail. They didn't. (laughs) And uh, I, but I didn't know the significance of, you know, the Shema, you know, necessarily, but, but I knew this was true and uh, powerful words. And uh, that is, this is how you raise children. This is what we are to do. So, so we're not supposed to set them in front of the TV and, or, and let someone else educate them 24 seven. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, that because, uh, just like you, I was, uh, raised up in a regular old, uh, Christian style church. And this was a verse, a set of verses that was important to us too. And I think any church going Christian that's at least somewhat serious about their faith could pull this up for you and say, Hey, this is for real. And this, are we doing this? They would say. And and I would argue that's examples of them following Torah. Right. And they don't even know they're following Torah. Right. So Christians do follow Torah. Yeah, so when it's talking about, you know, do you have them written on the door frames of your house and on your gates and stuff like that? I mean, you know, even in my Bible study at work uh, that I've talked about a while back and um, this would come up and they were, they were like, who actually does this? Like saying we should be doing this and encouraging it. I'm like, I do. I mean, <laughs> I have it written all over my house, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I'm always talking to my kids about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's, you know, that was in my pre-Torah days. I didn't recognize this being a, oh, he's talking about the things he's been telling them, which is Torah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we don't maybe look at it that way all the time. But uh, when you th- stop to grasp, okay, what's actually going on when he's telling them this? Yeah. Then yeah. you recognize that he's talking about his commands, follow his commands and be obedient. Yeah, yeah. I don't wear a headband is a reminder, but there's definitely would be nothing wrong with that if you wanted to do that. But And there's definitely a spiritual component of this. And, and it's just the idea, you know, when, when I wasn't in Torah, I, I was doing this uh, tr- my, the best that I could by trying to surround my children with, with the truth of God's word. I would even do things like maybe not listen to uh, certain kinds of music and things like that because I felt like that was all part of this. And, and maybe you can't read Harry Potter books because I knew that that was bad. And there were certain movies we couldn't watch and we wouldn't do um, because we were trying to follow this the best we could right the uh the idea of you know writing them down is a way to help you remember them yeah and you know around your wrist is kind of talking about what you do mm-hmm. your headband is what you think about think. right 
Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, in your house and on your gates is surround your home with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I would encourage if you're building a house, do this. So go right on two by fours, write scriptures. It doesn't have to be this particular scripture, although this would be a great one to write in your house. But, but choose, you know, that uh, if you build a house, have people in your house write down their favorite scriptures in some place and, you know, embed it into the wall so that it's there forever. And, you know, what, what a treasure someday later, somebody's going to remodel that house and something, you know, they'll see these scriptures and testimony about that you wrote that down. Yeah. So I think it's powerful and it's a powerful way to start uh, a a construction project to put his words in it like that and, and pray about it as you do it. So definitely good practice. All right, six four. Listen, Israel. Yahweh is our Elohim. Yahweh is the only God. Love Yahweh with Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Matt, didn't we just read that? We did. Why are we pulling that out specifically? So, because Matthew twenty two, you've seen this at Matthew twenty two, thirty seven, Yeshua answered him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Wait, that's not a new commandment? Not at all. Oh, okay. So, uh, direct quote there. And so we're going to look at one more, Jake, that came from this. And right. it, go ahead. So in verse 16, it says in Deuteronomy, Never test Yahweh your Elohim as you did at Massah. Be sure to obey the commands of Yahweh your Elohim and the regula- regulations and laws he has given you. So then in Matthew, it says, Yeshua said to him, Matthew 4, 7, Yeshua said to him, Again, scripture says, never tempt Yahweh your Elohim. And then in Luke 4, 12, it says, Yeshua answered him. It has been said, never tempt Yahweh your Elohim. So, Matt, are we trying to say that Yeshua was quoting Deuteronomy? Yes. And most. people didn't come up to him and go, well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, no, the direct quote. Okay. So so it's good to make those connections and see where that was. And then in 620, it says, In the future, your children will ask you. This is kind of connected to 6.1. So, but the, your kids are going to ask you what these regulations, laws, and rules which Yahweh, our Elohim, commanded you mean to you. So tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but Yahweh used his mighty hand to bring us out of there. Right before our eyes, Yahweh did miraculous signs and amazing things that were spectacular, but terrible for Egypt, Pharaoh and his whole family. Yeah, and I think uh, what's interesting here is uh, Matt and I were talking, right, uh, mm-hmm. about how when we ask ourselves what the you know what the law is for, typically our response comes from something like uh, Galatians or something like that that says, oh, well, it's to uh, show you what sin is, right? Um, and show us that we are sinners so that we need a Messiah, right? That's kind of the, the Christian answer. Uh, and that's a lot of times our answer as well. But we got to remember there's more than one place where it talks about what the Torah is for. Here it's telling us, it's so you remember that you were slaves in Egypt and Yahweh brought you out of there with his right hand, his mighty hand, and uh, did spectacular, amazing things. 
Do you think you could say they were slaves to sin? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that would be a pretty easy assumption to make there that, you know, and go look at the words that Paul uses about being a slave to sin. And uh, they were a slave to sin because then you'd have to go, well, what's the definition of sin, Jake? Transgression of the law. And so clearly in Egypt, they were transgressing the law because they had no clue. Right. And then I chose this kind of creepy image. Uh, I think, um, you know, it's kind of paying homage to the mark of something here, maybe in Revelation. But um, the slave to free. So it doesn't make sense that he took them from bondage only to put them back into bondage. Right. So we just read that they were slaves in Egypt. So Yahweh brought them out of Egypt and put them under that that uh, burdensome law, right? Mm-hmm. It also doesn't make sense to, you know, just look at American history. And there's a character that uh, was very famous, and her they called her Moses, or Harriet Tubman, and uh, she helped slaves get free by following the drinking gourd or following the North Star, and they called her Moses. Hmm. Why'd they call her Moses? Because she was enslaving them. To some. <laughs> yes. no. That doesn't even make sense. So, but yet people will argue that Moses put them in back into slavery, and uh, it just doesn't even make sense. Now, again, similar to what we said earlier, they don't know they're saying that, but that's the effect of what they're saying. Because when they say the law is bondage, right? Mm-hmm. It's then Yah brought them out of slavery. And put them in back into slavery. Yeah, that's the that's the essential uh, argument that's being made there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for that guy in that picture. He probably got paid a lot. I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> to have that forever like that. Okay, sorry, ma'am. It'll last forever. All right, uh, verse. Uh, read this one. Yeah, Jake so this 6, is just continuing that. Yep. So Yahweh led us out of there to bring us here and give us this land. He promised to our ancestors with an oath. Yahweh our Elohim commanded us to obey all these laws and to fear Yahweh. These laws are for our own good as long as we live so that we he will preserve our lives. It's still true today. This is how we'll have Yahweh's approval. If we faithfully obey all these laws in the presence of Yahweh our Elohim as he has commanded us. Well, Jake, it uh, sounds like it's still true today. And that's what it says. It yeah. says it's still true today. <laughs> that was back then. Yeah. That was. <laughs> so. Yeah. I today mean, today is today, people. Yeah. Today being the today that Moses wrote that. However, yes. still today. Still today. That's right. And I also think it's important anytime you look at this uh, to remember this is us. These are our people. These are these should be the people we relate to. And yes, we want to be. You know, I'm an American. Probably a lot of you are Americans. Not everybody that listens to Sabbath Lounge is American, though. We're worldwide. That's baby. right, worldwide, baby. <laughs> and uh, but but definitely, uh, we should relate more to to these folks uh, in this story than we do our patriotism. Th- th- this is our this is our real roots. Everything else is just kind of fake or maybe fun, you know. Um, but this is real. This yeah. really is our ancestors. Yeah, our other. 
you know, what we find ourselves today is a, a temporary thing. Yeah. But the the kingdom of, kingdom of Yah is the the, the permanent I- identification. Yeah, yeah. Just like the old song said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So just a passing through. Hope you're passing through with us. That's right. So this comes to the end of week 45. And what's it called again? The Echanan. All right. And it's a Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 7, 11. What do we want them to do, Jake? Give it a like and a subscribe and uh, tune in next time for week 46. That's right. And please tell others about Sabbath Lounge. We just ask that you would share this content if you found it to be fruitful, delightful, uh, anything. Please share it. Please leave us a comment that showed you were listening. I think we had a question, a trivia question was, what's the name of the mountain that Moses went upon to look in all four directions? So if you know that answer, please put it in the comments and you'll win the prize of a thumbs up and a heart. Ooh. So can't beat that. Well, thank you for listening to Sabbath Lounge. This is Matt and Jake signing out.